And now our host, Stephen Lee Morris. If you run or are associated with a small theater in Southern California that is facing the slings and arrows of outrageous Assembly Bill 5, that is really digging into the abilities of small theater to do plays in the way they've done them for decades, you might be interested in the writings of Magda Romanskaya, writer, researcher, and dramaturg. Magda is an associate professional theater at Emerson College, and she is um, a researcher with MetaLab, which is a project at Harvard. Magda Romanska, welcome to Animal Farm. Um, thank you so much, Stephen, for having me. I appreciate it. You are doing research at Harvard through um, a program called MetaLab. And you are looking at what you call transmediality, that is the presentation of theater on multiple platforms at once, which somehow reflects our lives in our society, which we're doing 14 things at once, often on different metaphorical platforms, and that even the intake of art can be, as you put it, transmedial. It can run from social media to video games to live performance. And your research at Harvard um, creates is looking at a template for how that can work. What are the possibilities? And the reason I think it can be so interesting for people in Southern California is that, or people across California, is that um, at, the, at the risk of going from the um, from the lofty to the prosaic, we have an assembly bill five, which is still in place and there are advocates working to undo its damage, but essentially it spikes the cost of theater as it has been done in Los Angeles um, for 60, 70, 80 years. If you count the early touring companies that's in a theater space, one modality, it's now almost impossible for a theater that has a budget of less than $300,000 a year to actually afford to put on a routine play. It is a serious challenge for them and production has stopped. And my question, well, if you could, in your words, explain what transmediality is, what your research is, and how this might offer some glimmer of hope to a cash-strapped community that's facing um, draconian increases in expenses. Yes, so um, transmediality is um, a storytelling, a form of storytelling that crosses um, across multiple, me multiple media, multiple platforms. So um, rather than just using one modality like film or video game or theater, uh, Transmedia is trying to combine them and tell stories the way that we live our lives right now. Uh, so, you know, certain things happen on social media, other things happen in real life, mm -hmm. um, things happen uh, when you interact with somebody on the phone and life is sort of, um, and divided through this um, virtual and real um, life environments. And um, uh, typically we would maybe do a theater piece about it and try to kind of fake it or do it <laughs> and record it. Um, but with transmedia shows is rather than, you know, showing somebody talk on the phone, you actually have audience members uh, picking up the phone and listening on somebody else's conversation through the phone, for example. And so you're trying to create a kind of a immersive 
um, environment, um, which um, would um, um, allow the audiences to explore a different um, um, outcomes, perhaps, or even uh, different narratives within the same uh, universe, within the same uh, structural uh, storytelling architectonics. Right. So um, this uh, really, I think, opens up a possibility for theaters in particular, um, because uh, particularly small theaters, which do a more eclectic, more niche uh, work, you know, when you are um, somewhere in a small town or even a large town, um, the audience for the shows that you're doing is going to be limited by um, by um, geography. Yeah. And so, you know, um, you might have um, like 100 um, Heinrich Miller fans <laughs> in LA, but then you might, you know, like you might, you know, might, you, some kind of small town upstate New York might have only three and they will never see, you know, live Heinrich Miller show because yeah. all yeah. town is never going to put one because there are only yeah. three people that are going to go come see this show. <laughs> So if you are able to, if you are able to create a works which will find, you know, which will appeal to that kind of audiences, and if you are able to break through and and reach those audiences and find those Henry Miller fans, um, you can uh, you can broaden your audience and uh, you know um, um, be able to manage it somehow financially, hopefully be able to monetize it. Um, mm -hmm. So the the question becomes, of course. You know, how do you find those people who like what you do and with whom you can build a community? So, yes, yes. you know, rethinking, rethinking what the audience is and who, what, who your community is and how do you build a discourse with those people uh, cross-culturally and globally? I think it's, it's, it's a big, you know, it's a main challenge of transmedia. Um, but I think that at the same time, you know, we unite in small communities around uh, weird things these days. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. why not yeah. around theater works and why not around um, intellectual questions and that, you know, aesthetic political questions um, around uh, those works. Um, so I think the theaters are still a little bit apprehensive about this kind of model uh, and this kind of way of thinking because there is a fear that, you know, um, you might not be able to make connections with people cross-culturally. Um, but uh, on the other hand, we have been doing it for the past 20 years since the internet, you know, have become mm. a, a quite dominant tool. And so uh, being able to, to translate that, um, it's a possibility and it's just a different way of thinking um, about, you know, who, what is your stage? You know, all mm, the work mm, on the stage, mm, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a cliche, <laughs> uh, but, you know, who's your, where, where is your stage, where does it end, where does this end, and who, who your audience is. Um, so, um, so in that way, I'm thinking um, this might be, you know, this might be an opportunity for small theaters um, to um, break away from the shadow of the large ones, because you're competing on a sort of equal footing in some way, yeah? Um, for for the for the larger pool of people, mm -hmm. and so a, a really good theater um, might have a chance to break through. And I've seen you know a couple of companies that really have managed to develop a unique style of transmedia works, like Alec and Players here in you know here in in Massachusetts, 
Uh, we have Arlequin players who have been uh, doing quite uh, complex, complex transmedia works and they grew from small theater group to kind of um, nationally and internationally known theater group during the last two years, uh, thanks to banking and appealing to uh, global audiences. This is very interesting. It takes a while to, to do that and to be able to monetize it, uh, but um, I do think that it's possible. Um, the one uh, mistake which theaters are making, I think, is the assumption trying to use the same you know, paying season model that they have been using uh, previously. I and mean, it's just not gonna work in, in this environment, in the social, in the transmedia environment, simply because people don't track, um, you know, th those kind of events in the same way. And the idea of like paying $35 to see an online show, and it's, you know, it's, it's like when Netflix costs $15 a month, mm -hmm. You know, um, you have to be realistic about what you can charge um, and lower the bar of accessibility for, for folks and count on the, on the um, uh, quantity of people uh, to make up for the potential uh, loss in terms of the amounts you're charging. Right. So, um, because, you know, theater typically going out to theater, what you're paying for, not just the show, you're paying for the whole experience, yeah? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like uh, kind of a bourgeois theater, you get to dress up nicely, you see your friends. Mm -hmm. uh, occasion, it's um, a kind of a marker of your class, yeah? When you get to, to the lobby to talk to the proper people and all of that. I mean, theater historically, theater and opera historically has been that kind of a place where class has, you know, emerged, yeah? yeah. And so, um, so what people have been paying they have been paying for access to the network of other patrons and to show themselves off in that context, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, partially. Yeah. And so in the online environment, it's a little bit different. Uh, it's a little bit more uh, pluralistic, more democratic, and um, uh, the class markings are not so visible, you know. So, so, so here, so here. You know, Here's a question for you then. Does your transmedia model completely eliminate the aspect that the, tradi the traditionalists in theatre hold so close to their heart, which is a group of people gathering in a room, breathing the same air and sharing a shared experience? Does the trend and, and the, the centrality of that is the breathing the same air and being in the same room? Um, does this eliminate? the stage, the live stage completely, or have you seen in the works that have been successful doing transmedia companies, have you seen theaters that um, have nonetheless managed to use at least incorporate a, yeah. a live stage? Well, I mean, you know, people do incorporate live stage and there is, um, well, I mean, you know, this whole breathing of the same air, I mean, we know, this is um, how kind of um, dangerous it can be these days, yeah? <laughs> yes. Sharing the air. There's a huge pause on, on, on that no, concept, that is, but uh, yeah. we hope it will um, return one day, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it also makes me kind of rethink the question of intimacy. Mm. Um, you know, um, people have been forming a quite strong bond you know, like leaving your wife and child to go off to some lady in, 
I don't know, in Poughkeepsie with people, you know, you, whom you think she's a, your soulmate, yeah? So, um, so people have been, you know, creating um, quite strong emotional bonds, uh, surprising bonds uh, in this digital environment for a long time. I mean, you know, what was this whole thing that, um, um, uh, you know, a lady got arrested because she murdered her virtual husband, and, you know, uh, took it so seriously. Um, so I think that um, we already in some way um, have built a certain level of quasi relations with um, um, the, um, the people on the web. And um, it's, of course, it's a, you know, it's an it's a issue of, is it a fake in form of intimacy or is it a real form of intimacy? Like what's real, what's not real, you know, what's, it's only what's in our head is real, yeah? And so, um, so the issue of what we're losing in live theater, you can be there with people and feel very disconnected and very lonely. Um, and you can be uh, with somebody uh, on, the in on the internet and uh, as I said, you know, uh, lose your, uh, yourself in that relationship to the point of like, you know, um, uh, I don't know, divorce, whatever, yeah, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, and so, so examples that we have been seeing in the last 20 years uh, really show us um, a kind of uh, a much more complex way that the mind, human mind, forms bonds and forms um, uh, um, uh, creates intimacy with the other human being. Um, and so the physical presence, it's not necessarily mm -hmm. that kind of psychological uh, um, bond and emotions which uh, we can develop with the other. And so at theaters which are able to capitalize on that aspect of internet that you are in the privacy of your home, feeling secure and safe. You know, how many people feeling secure and safe post something on the web, which then they regret, yeah? Um, that sort of the inner lives, you know, our inner lives are being exposed there oftentimes more than what we show to the outside world. Uh, probably in support of your point, uh, the, the perhaps the 20th century's greatest dramatists wrote about the devastating loneliness of people living their lives together. And I'm thinking of Tennessee Williams, William Ng, Eugene O'Neill, um, devastating loneliness. I mean, that was the overriding theme. And um, this was long before the, the invention of even a cell phone, let alone a social media. So there is support for that, that, that public spaces can also be lonely places. Just the question is, um, you're making a case that the digital space can be more intimate and yet this research shows that it, it really does, um, especially with teenagers, they're more despondent and lonely when they're addicted to social media than if they meet each other in, in classrooms. I mean, how do you respond to that in terms of the case you're making? Well, I think that it's kind of a you know, binary thinking. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, that can sort of get you always in trouble, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and it's very difficult to kind of deny that that this that internet exists and trying to kind of live without it, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and so rather than uh, resisting it, uh, to try to understand it and use it the way that you want it to be used and not let it to use you. 
You know, like use it like as an artistic, you know, use it as an artistic tool the way that you would use other tools rather than allowing it to influence you and and make you do things. And so this same, you know, the same way um, that teenagers kind of lose themselves in the peer pressure of social media, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, allowing them to understand the purpose of it, you know, for communication, for this, for that, um, and um, being, you know, seeing how they can use it for their own creative output rather than allowing the media to form them. Yes. And influence yes. their psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. this is, I think, going to be a big challenge for all of us is to think about internet as an extension of us, which we control, not mm-hmm. the around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. That's a very interesting point. You've put out a, a, a publication. It's actually, what's the word? I was going to say mandate, but that's not the right word. It's, future, it's a, future stage manifesto. It's a manifesto. Yeah, that's, that's the word I was looking for. Future stages. And where can people find that? Oh, we have it. We have a, a future stage uh, website, um, and you can just Google MetaLab at Harvard, and uh, it's going to pop up as well. It's been published in American Theater uh, as well, so people can check it out. Um, and is it future stage or future stages plural? Uh, future stage. Um, future um, stage. Future stage. Um, at, at, at Harvard um, at, um, at MetaLab, uh, so it's pretty easy to to find. Uh, you can also, you know, just follow me on Twitter and I post all of our publications and translations and events. We have a series of lectures that we do on transmedia as well. Um, um, each, each, you know, each academic year and they are um, out there posted so people can check them out and watch them and, and hopefully, you know, enjoy and, um, and maybe learn as well something or, you know, help um, uh, enrich the discourse with with the conversation around those issues that we are trying to grapple with um with everybody else yeah magda romanska thank you so much for joining us thank you so much Stephen, for having me uh, have a wonderful rest of the day this discussion continues or may continue next week when we're joined by adam esquinazi douglas adam is a playwright and a video developer and uh, it'll be interesting to uh, hear how he weaves those two components into his work and how it may actually connect to the uh, transmediality that Magda Romanska is talking about. <laughs>